Good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to this World Invocation Day celebration of the full moon in Gemini, World Invocation Day. Before we start, um, the actual time of the full moon today was at uh, 12.52. So we're working just in the beginning of the outflow now. I've also been told that this is uh, tonight, it's bilingual. So for those of you on Zoom, you've got the choice of uh, reading along either in English or in Greek. And uh, at the end, if you want to, you can uh, go into a breakout room in Greek to do the meditation in the Greek language. And uh, there's an instructional slide that's coming up now and basically, if you want to do the meditation in Greek, you just add EL before your name on Zoom. So after much deliberation, I've decided to do the talk myself in English. So here we go. <laughs> so tonight we're celebrating the Christ's festival in Gemini and the culmination of the higher interlude of the spiritual year. Since 1952, the day of the Gemini full moon is also celebrated as World Invocation Day, when a focus is placed on the Great Invocation to empower humanity's subconscious appeal for the return of a world saviour. This full moon is also known as the Festival of Humanity, for it celebrates the nascent Christ principle that flickers in every human heart. And it always falls in the sign of Gemini, whose force produces the changes needed for the evolution of the Christ consciousness at any particular point in time and space. So let's begin by taking a few minutes for reflection and on the nature of the Christ consciousness, gather the energy in, and then we'll say the great invocation together. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men, 
let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide little wills of men. The purpose which the masters know and say. From the center, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. On the subject of the reappearance of the Christ, the Alice Bailey writings hold that when he comes, whom angels and men await, and whose work it is to inaugurate the new age and so complete the work he began in Palestine 2000 years ago, he will bring with him some of the great angels, as well as certain of the masters. The angels have ever been active in biblical history and will again enter into the lives of human beings with more power than has lately been the case. The call has gone out for them again to approach humanity. And with their heightened vibration and superior knowledge, unite their forces with those of the Christ and his disciples for the helping of the race. It's quite challenging to think through how angels fit into an industrialized, technologically driven world inhabited by computers, rapid communication networks, satellites, space telescopes, where scientific understanding of the nature of reality is based on quantum physics and the search for other forms of life is directed to other planets, other star systems. So how do the angels of Judaism, Christianity and Islam, along with their Eastern counterparts, the devas in Hinduism and Buddhism, fit into the framework of the natural sciences. In popular culture, angels are often depicted playing harps 
blowing trumpets prior to important events and announcements or singing songs of praise to God, none of which sits easily with scientific laws as presently understood. Nevertheless, in the mystery of electricity, a bridge between the religious and the scientific worldviews may be found, along with a future promise of exciting new paradigms in human consciousness. The AAB writings describe the angels or divas as flaming fire, radiant electric matter, stating that it is absolutely essential that students bear in mind here that we are studying the mystery of electricity. They go on to say that the greater divas or angels are the positive aspect of electrical phenomenon, while the lesser lives are the negative aspect. And it is their interaction and interplay which produces light or the manifested solar system. While we're all familiar with the wild destructive power of electricity as demonstrated in lightning strikes and other types of electrical discharges, the Tibetan informed us that electricity also has a coordinating, integrating power that scientists would shortly discover. And this building power not only gives rise to all the diverse forms seen throughout nature and the cosmos, but also sustains the life within them during their cycle of manifested existence. Bearing all this in mind and thinking of the angelic or diva kingdoms in terms of electricity, it may be that the writings of some of the great religious thinkers of the past will hold new meaning for us. For instance, the Roman Catholic saint, Thomas Aquinas. He wrote about the angel's relationship to space, postulating that the angel can, in certain respects, be present at a physical location by directing its power towards it a non-physical being which through its power has contact with a physical thing, holds it and is not held by it. Therefore, it is said that the angel resides at a physical location as upholder, not as one upheld. The angel is not circumscribed by space, but encompasses it. The power of these greater angels to hold and configure an area of space and all that is within it is quite possible to interpret in electrical terms. The case in point is the account of the prophet Muhammad being tightly squeezed by the angel Gabriel a number of times prior to receiving the first revelation of what would eventually become the Quran. While scholars generally interpret this as a warning to the prophet that he was about to be given a huge task and heavy words were going to be revealed upon him, another perspective might be that Muhammad was electrically charged and aligned by the archangel Gabriel to bring him into a state of resonance 
with the frequency of the truth that was about to be transmitted to him. From this perspective, the heavy embrace of Gabriel is redolent of the gripping power of electricity. This is the capacity of electricity to induce muscular contraction as documented in those instances when a shock to the arm causes the hand to involuntarily grip the current source, or in the case of a more powerful shock, causes most of the muscles in the body to contract at once, sending the victim flying across the room. We can understand then why contact with the angels is safest on buddhic levels, where the human and the angelic kingdoms naturally resonate to the frequency of one another. This still requires the cultivation of a high level of purity in the personality sheaths, as was demonstrated in the ascetic lifestyles of the great mystics in the past. But more than this, it requires training in rational philosophical thinking in order to correctly interpret these contacts and to relate them to the mundane world. The Persian sage, Sahuravadi, embraced the spirit of this approach in his school of Illuminationism, which translates as the wisdom of the rising light. This is a beautiful description of the disciples' journey in consciousness towards the buddhic plane, wherein the intuition has full sway. Sahuravadi described this state of consciousness as knowledge through presence. From an electrical perspective, we might term it live knowledge, direct apprehension in the higher electric fields of the logoic body. Sahuravadi taught that every soul exists in the angelic realm before descending into the dungeon of the body. And we might equate this with the teaching on the solar angel in the Alice Bailey writings. Indeed, the principle of self-consciousness that defines a human being is bestowed on him by this great angel. In turn, the human being is, de is destined to become one himself and in some distant cycle to do for the humanity of that age, what the solar pitry, the solar angels, have done for him and make their self-conscious expression a possibility. This gift of self-consciousness from the angelic kingdom is symbolically recounted in one of Sahuravadi's stories, The Sound of Gabriel's Wing, wherein the right wing of Gabriel is pure light and points towards the word of God while the left wing points downwards and has dark spots on it, from which the human spirits are created. When questioned, the storyteller also comments, most of the things your senses perceive come from the sound of Gabriel's wing. You are one of the sounds of Gabriel's wing. <coughs> This story might be related to the predicted discovery by the Tibetan of the integrating power of electricity 
as wielded by the angelic kingdom to order and assemble forms of all kinds. As we discussed a few years back at a Lucis Trust webinar entitled Humanity in the New Fire, scientists working on the Sapphire experiment have accrued overwhelming evidence that the universe conforms to very different building laws than currently thought. Indeed, on the electrical integrating and building power and circulation and transformation lies at their heart. The filmmaker Ben Gedlow is documenting the progress of this project and he relates the experiment to an audio phenomenon he discovered writing, I spent decades of my life in recording studios producing music. Before the advent of synthesized sounds, there was a trick we used to do. We would put a brick on a sustain panel of a grand piano, open the top of the piano, and then with a flute, play a single note across the open strings. The strings would start to resonate in sympathy, harmonics would appear, and we would get chord-like washes of sound, unexpected, unpredictable and absolutely beautiful. And interestingly, we could soon reproduce these sounds predictably over and over again. And relating this to his present observations in the Sapphire Laboratory, he writes, we hovered around the bell jar, Monty, Yano and I. Monty and Yano were adjusting a number of parameters, the chamber pressure, voltage, current and type of gas. The chamber was dark. The anode was just a chunk of iron. Nothing was happening. Suddenly, in an instant, the whole thing came alive and we were staring at this marvellous pulsing ball of light. In a few moments, it was stable and continuous. Monty's eyes were dancing between the anode and the readouts from the different measuring devices the electromagnetic and radio frequencies of the plasma. He suddenly exclaimed in surprise and with a hint of awe in his voice, there's a rhythm, it's like a heartbeat. Then a few minutes later, he added, it's like the universe is singing. This beautiful account of the experiment contains elements of the sound of Gabriel's wing or the reverberations of Gabriel's wing as one scholar has interpreted. It points to how all acts of creation in the universe take place through resonances in an electric field. With the connection between electricity and the angelic kingdom held in mind, we can recall the rush of excitation that can be felt in the etheric body when experiencing a lightning storm. And imagine this on a higher turn of the spiral, the rush of energy, the vitalization of the aura that is felt when coming into contact with the higher lives of the angelic kingdom. Dora van Gelder Kunz, a 
former president of the Theosophical Society in America, summarizes this well in the following words. If we could only realize that we live in a world crowded with fairies, angels, and all manner of beings, it would make an immense difference in our attitude and our mode of living. The mere belief that such a world exists should delight us. The knowledge and certainty would follow in due course. We ourselves would become much more alive for it is impossible to get into touch with that world which thrills with the sense of being alive without ourselves catching the same spirit and our own creative energy being awakened. It's this reimagination of the world that needs to take place to provide the context for the reappearance of the Christ the teacher alike of angels and of men. Last December, the Lucis Trust held a webinar on the theme, Awakening to the Angels, in which we approached the subject from many different angles and perspectives and thought through how humanity might become more open to the energy of the angels. And it's clear that what is really needed as a medium of communication is simply love. And a new expression of love is required perhaps for today's intelligent public. And perhaps in an era where dynamic electromagnetic forces are revolutionizing the way human beings interact with one another, the expression of the Christ principle will take on an appropriate orientation. One that appeals to mentally focused people everywhere as well as world youth engrossed with electronic media and high octave energy of popular cultures. A dynamic is required that can orient the highly charged etheric body of humanity to a completely new understanding of love on mental levels without the distortions of the astral plane. The influence of Gemini fits well into this scenario as it relates the Christ principle to the etheric body, driving the evolving relationship between the two forward in time and space. The love wisdom that pours through Gemini is adapted by the spiritual hierarchy on the buddhic plane, which is sometimes referred to as the plane of violet. From here, the adapted energies are precipitated onto the etheric levels of the physical plane, which are also characterized by a violet light due to their close association with the buddhic realm. Because Gemini's energy is so closely tied to the Christ principle and is descending through the violet planes, the violet angels or divas are to be are predicted to become especially active when the Christ himself reappears. Their activities will include teaching humanity to see etherically by heightening human vibration 
by interaction with their own. Instruction in the efficiency of violet light in lessening human ills. Demonstrating the fact that the superconscious world exists and that angels and men who are out of incarnation can be contacted and known. Teaching humanity how rightly to feed the human body by drawing nourishment from the surrounding ethers. Concentrating man's attention upon the etheric body so that the work and health of the physical body will become increasingly automatic. And teaching humanity to expand consciousness to include the superphysical so that the separating web the veil of the temple, which divides the physical plane from the unseen world, will eventually be destroyed, and the date is said to be imminent. With all this planned activity by the violet divas, it's not surprising that even now, violet light is playing a significant role in human enterprise. The place of violet in the spectrum is of prime importance in connection with the greater cycles and it marks the end of one cycle and the beginning of another and for this reason ultraviolet light has been instrumental in the inauguration of this new cycle of the information age it shifted humanity's use of force from the material levels of the physical plane to the etheric and if we take this as a symbol or portent of the times, then we might conclude that the preparations for the reappearance are well underway already. Our role as esoteric servers in this great preparatory work is to intensify our ability to think in the light. Esotericism is not only the science of thinking in the light, though, but in many respects, it's the science of thinking with the angels. In a text from the 18th century anthology of spiritual texts from the Eastern Orthodox Church, known as the Philokalia, Evagorius Ponticus distinguishes between thinking of the things of the world with and without desire, and further elaborates in terms of the differences between angelic, diabolical, and human awareness. Diabolical meaning from the verb diablo, to rend, to separate, to move things apart. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Dr. Rowan Williams, summarizes it in the following way. Angelic thought searches for the spiritual logoi within what is perceived. Diabolical thought proposes to the perceiving self the acquisition of what is perceived. And human thought simply registers the morph style, the, the simple form that is there to be perceived. As such, it is neither acquisitive or contemplative. When angelic knowledge grasps the symbolic significance of things, and how all external phenomena have something to convey from God to the new or the universal mind, 
and where diabolical knowledge seeks to use the things perceived for gratification, human logismos, the process of reflecting, is primitively just the receiving of an intelligible form. True knowledge, so this implies, is the receptivity of human logismos instructed and enlarged by angelic. If we are genuinely able to see humanly, to allow the simple contact of the knowing subject and the simple form, we may also be free to see angelically. But the fragility of our capacity to know truly is there from the start, so that the innate freedom to grow from human to angelic perception is in no way automatic. We may be lured into a thinking that is subhuman. The defensive aggressive spirit in us will always be present, pushing us towards the refusal of the simple logoi in themselves that prevents genuine gnosis. Or it may equally be the acquisitive spirit that distorts and diabolizes our relation within what we encounter. What is given acquired in the state of graced knowledge, angelic thinking, is a habit of perceiving the world that is irreducibly linked with ethical practice. It is angelic because it is rational. And its rationale is really liturgical. It exists in the now of work conducted worshipfully and worship conceived as intense and creative work. So bearing in mind that liturgy means the formal rites for public religious worship, this last paragraph adds much to our understanding of service facilitated through the seventh ray of ceremony and ritual. As we learn to think with the angels and prepare for the reappearance of the Christ, may each one of us experience the beautiful message that Gemini holds for the disciple. I recognize my other self, and in the waning of that self, I grow and glow. Letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity.
I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
Iron's lute. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala, radiated through hierarchy. Visualize the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. I recognize my other self. And in the waning of that self, I grow and glow.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet, becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. The sequence of energy precipitation is Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Mm. 
consider how these impouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light, love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men. Let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. <clears throat>
the crises in the world keep on growing so does the availability of the energies to meet the opportunities that they present that felt beautiful lovely way to bring the three spiritual festivals to an end for this year and now to make use of them in as we start moving towards the lower interlude later on the uh, next meeting is the cancer full moon at the library, which is here on Wednesday, 13th of July, 6.30 our time. So thank you all for coming. And uh, for those of you on Zoom as well, thanks for being here. See you next time. <laughs>